Howdy. Howdy. What's going on, Peppy? Nah, not much. Enjoying the sunshine before it turns into the desolate pain we experience every year in Texas. <laughs> but but right now we're in the, <laughs> the three weeks of spring and just drinking it in. Yeah. I, w- I really, truly wish Texas weather was just like this 24-7. Where can I go where it's like this all the time? Florida? Your your humidity bumps up with that. Um, I mean, fun little note: Alabama has the most biodiversity of any state in the country. Yeah, no, yeah, one hundred percent. We we but Texas has like what fourteen, thirteen bio regions. I don't know if Alabama has that many. It doesn't, but they still have a massive amount of life forms, um, as they do probably necessary from the the Mississippi and the Missouri, just crowding down into the Delta. Wow, I did not know that. Yep, and then um, Arkansas is the most forested state. So the that sou- I believe the southeast of America, like especially in its rurality, never gets enough attention. But those are beautiful places that I think will have balanced weather as we we shift our climate for the years to come. Yeah, you ever been to Fayetteville? No, no. I heard it's the next Austin. D- yeah, I don't even know what that means. Like, well, I, I mean, see the I- billboards are like, "Come do tech in Arkansas." I'm like, well, why, "Why do I want to do tech? And why do I want to be?" Springs. A- it's right. nice, I guess. Do, you, do they get a lot of snow up there in Arkansas? Yeah, uh, I don't think they have any elevation. I think they just got really rolling hills. Well, I know Dallas gets snow sometimes. Yeah, I mean, in white Ar- stuff comes from the sky. That's <laughs> <laughs> not snow. It's not snow. It's, not snow. it's just yeah, every every like ten years or whatever, you might catch a pop. Um, um, snowed in West Texas just like yeah, a week yeah. ago. Yeah. You see, man, those pictures were magnificent. You yeah. ever been out there when it I snows still, like that? I still haven't. Like I um I've never been to West Texas. Oh, what? Because I've I've been pursuing agriculture for so long now that it's just it's been difficult to get away. Yeah. But now that I got a cute boy remote job. There you go. I'm looking to just start doing my travels. But this summer I think I'm gonna spend it in Canada. Yeah. What's up there? Canadians. Um, uh, why else why else is the uh desire to head up that way Uh, apparently nova scotia has some of the best summers in the world oh and then my grandfather was actually a mountie in the royal canadian mounted police wow do you have a lot of stories about it i never got to meet him really They, they 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 died when my mom was young okay so after that, yeah, she meets my father. They do time in St. John's, Newfoundland, but then eventually move back down to Virginia. Yeah. Is and, that where you were born? Uh-huh. Virginia. What city? Uh, hospital. <laughs> well, I was born in two because I was, I was born breach. And then um, so I got stuck and I was without oxygen. <laughs> so they, they told my, my parents I'd be born with mental disabilities. And they're like, and you turned out great. Just t- touched hey. by God. Oh, my goodness. Uh, do you think anybody out there would disagree with that? <laughs> Me. I'm like, just I, I, I know I only it. found out a couple of years I'm, ago and I was just like, oh. Oh. oh like, that explains so, so much. much, right? But that yeah. was, yeah, that was tight. I mean, so it was off the Occoquan River is really where I grew up. And yeah. I mean, we had a house just right there on the water. Lived with our grand, my grandparents for the first years until my dad could build our own house. And... Life was spent in the woods. Yeah. My my first memory ever is being three years old on Old Rag Mountain, so the highest elevation in Virginia. And I got lost for like five hours. No way. And yeah, they were about to send in like a helicopter. Are you serious? Yeah. And like when they found me, they said I was fine. But I'm like, oh, that's called trauma. 
Yeah. Because it would have just been me just screaming on top of like I a would mountain imagine. for hours at three years old. So that kind of shapes me like who I am and just always wanted to, to stay in those natural parts. Uh, also grateful I didn't get met up with by a bear. Yeah. Or, they didn't tell you like, oh, you were just poking sticks in an anthill when you found you. Yeah, I know. They, they were like, the, we thought you were fine. So they, yeah. didn't th- they didn't think anything of it. Sure. I mean, I, wow. Five hours is a, still a stint, man. That's I, terrifying. Uh, but I mean, as far as, I mean, I guess there's like, there's only like three storylines in life, man versus man, man versus self, and then man versus nature. Sure. I will absolutely rather choose nature trauma, and I'll take that one over yeah. and over. That's a good point. Um, w- say Say the three again. Man versus man, man versus self, and man versus nature. Yeah. So it's thought to be that... All systems have stemmed from that. Now there's the the possibility we're stepping into the fourth, which is man versus technology. No, don't talk about that, man. That's terrible. I don't want to even think about that. I don't think that at the point, but I want to get back to that. I don't think at the point that I'll be old enough to like, well, do you, that's maybe a good question. Do you think we'll be old enough to see that really manifest? I think it'll be like a couple generations down. No, I think it's now. Now? Yeah. And what I prescribe to is it will never be man versus robot. Man just becomes robot. Like in a sense, we've already gotten there with people who have been able to use their money for technology, such as pacemakers, a little piece of machine and technology inside that keeps you alive. Aspects That's a good point. That is moving yeah, our species forward, and then those who can't afford it will just, in a sense, de-evolve out. So that that's what would take place over the course of of the next generations, but. It's currently happening. You mean de-evolve out, meaning the people who don't take the AI uh, mechanisms or implantations? Correct. Wow. Meaning that's it. Their genetic code's gone. Yes. I don't think about that. Yeah, that's a bummer. Because it goes back to what you said. You would rather pick man versus nature. Yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm always very intrigued with like um like burial ceremonies and, and how we dispose of our corpses. And everyone always says the same thing. They're like, oh, just uh, just throw me in a dumpster. And it's like, well, you can't. You, you can't do that. And if, if you're not able to make the decisions early enough, then your family may be left with like a terrible responsibility because you didn't have it in your will. But by all means, yeah, I would love to buy a one-way ticket to Alaska and just walk out in the, wo- the woods until I get eaten by wolves. But and you can't do that? No, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, that's, that's fine. Seems like a... But you, you can't, you're, when you're dead, no one's going to be able to put you in a dumpster. The easiest thing is you can donate your corpse to a, um, a, a body farm. Yeah. So any school that operates um, a CSI or forensics program, they'll typically have a field where they just kind of throw bodies out in it. Yeah. And There's then, one right down the road from here. Yes, yeah, San Marcos. Yeah. I got I to gotta get them on. That's a good idea. I'm going to write that down. Hell yeah. Body farm people. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, and, and then there's the one woman in Cedar Creek. She does the only green burial park here in yes. town. Yes. Uh, I actually have a friend whose son is buried out there. Wonderful. So, yeah. The first time I ever saw that place, I was very, like, you know, they talk about how you feel, pla- you feel things about places. And, you know, we obviously knew, I knew that we were going out there <clears throat> to visit her son and, but when I got there, I could just tell, like, whoa, something. I've been to Cedar Creek a lot, all over. And something about that place definitely felt, not. I wouldn't say dark or um, no, anything. No, Yeah, there was just an energy there that couldn't be explained. I felt a presence. But again, that could be totally, uh, I don't know, psychosomatic in a way. It happens. But 
it's still at the same time where I absolutely believe in the concept of reincarnation, but how is that supposed to be possible if you don't release your carbon back to the earth? Yeah. So the fact that we spend our entire lives just, just living and eating, consuming and shitting, and then you just die, but then you like disembowel the, the corpse and fill it with formaldehyde to put it in a concrete box. You don't allow yourself to enter back into that supply chain to be consumed by, by, by micro, um, the microbiology, and then find its way into a, a plant, a pollinator, uh, to then spread amongst animals. And then that life force is still just there, just spreading around in existence. Yeah. And I, I, I really hope we can get there and have more conscious conversations of death and where we go, and specifically beginning that with children at an early age. You don't think it's because biologists are saying, hey, you can't just dump all these thousands of people into the ground all the time? Like, I mean, what would that look like? not encasing them and not filling them with formaldehyde. I mean, the flesh and blood are the first to decompose, and that's a strong-releasing nitrogen. And then afterwards, the bone is just slow-leaking phosphorus. I mean, if, if you're buried correctly, of which in Texas it's only required, I think, three feet to be in the ground. It's, it doesn't have to be six. It's just having the healthy biology in the soil and, and, and the plants that are amongst you, the nature. But nature is absolutely dependent on the recycling of of life from death. I mean, they're ubiquitous to each other. So when you remove that, there's just a a puzzle piece that's never going to be able to enter back into its chain. Yeah. Where does that come from, burying people the way we do? Awesome. Great question. So the profession of undertaker came out of the Civil War. And you, it's not that you, you put someone under, you undertake the responsibility of getting their corpse back to their mom. Primarily for union mothers, who when Johnny didn't come home from the war, their neighbor would not send their boys down. So in order to make sure the troops were still coming up, the bodies had to go back. And then it just became a business. What? But at what point did they start doing the formaldehyde and the uh, concrete encasing and um, coffins and that? I mean, I'm sure coffins are very common, but in the type of coffin we have today. We would have always in in science um, and... I mean, since times of like Darwin figured out measures of how to preserve specimens. So it it doesn't take too much of a learning curve. I mean, especially the first thing you have to do is, yeah, just field dress the body. And once dressed, I mean, you're you're removing a lot of aspects that would cause them to bloat and then to pop. Yeah, Um, I've seen that on deer and stuff. Yeah, I'm glad you said deer. And what? just didn't keep it abrupt. I've seen it. <laughs> no, 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 human, no. Well, I'm uh, saying you, uh, you have to iterate I know, these. It's, it's important. A, yeah. So, but that, <clears throat> it's got to come from some kind of like cultural thing, the encasement of the cement and all that. Like what? The, the, the concept is, is this is your body that you'll have when Jesus Christ comes back. Like that's, that's going to be the cultural representation. And like, like you need that vessel to then get you to heaven. So there, that is that why the cremation is frowned upon? Uh, a lot of times, and cremation also is the kind of like dirty process. I mean, no one ever realizes it's a rotisserie, and you have to turn the body. And it's oh, called, it's, really? It's, it's called flipping the meat. <laughs> Don't do awesome. what? Yeah, and that's it. How, how long does it take to hours? It, it depends. It's by one the, person. It's by it's by the pound dog. Not to, not to mention that that some crematoriums are having problems with grease fires. What is oh boy? What is that? Because there's so much uh, extra, yeah, in the fat, yeah, wow, and it, and it burns hot. Like 
And then afterwards, all the bones go, you have to put in a magnet, you have to pull out all the, the metal pieces of filings and pacemaker. And then that falls underneath into a grinder, and then you grind up the bone. Like, it's just, and it's not an easy process. So yeah, we never have these conversations, and this is also why I'm not good at parties. But um, Well, I mean, I think this podcast is about hearing things that are about nature. I mean, dying is a part of life. Why? And then there's questions around the process of how we process the dead. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's verboten or taboo. Well, and again, that's going to make a great segue. We just we don't ask those questions because we we just don't want to know. And for the same reason, we never ask the questions truly where our food comes from. Yeah. So bam, we're bam. back in. Well, tell us about it. You're the uh, brand communication manager for Rege- Regenified here in Austin. Yes, the, um, we're not located in Austin. Um, I mean, by end of the year, I believe we'll be servicing 1 million acres. Uh, so we provide regenerative certification for farm and supply chain. Okay. So all over the U.S.? Uh, we signed on a farm in Ghana and Liberia last week. All right. So, so it is international. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, and I know it's fantastic. I mean, it's founded by individuals who have been in the agricultural and soil science space for decades. There's more than a combined 100 years of experience. And they just haven't come across a program yet that's able to ensure that while you yield from the land, through your farm practices, you're actually able to better it. And, I mean, what comes up very often is like, oh, we have to get rid of cows. But we are trying to replicate the natural cycles that happened before colonialism, which was a large dependency on both the bison and the wolf. So we had more than 30 to 60 million bison, which roamed the American prairie. But what kept them being migratory as opposed to a sedentary grazer is the wolf and the predator that follows behind them, always keeping them in action. And that's what built up all the health and resources of our lands. And it was removed practically overnight. So now we're able to replicate this with cattle, but by intensively moving them, uh, giving them access to, to one parcel of land at a time before it's shifted um, the next day, or sometimes you'll have multiple moves in, in one 24-hour period. And I love it. I, th- I think it's magic. I'm, I'm really hoping more people find them themselves into regenerative agriculture and ecosystem restoration because we're completely dependent on it. Uh, from these lands and, and the fertilizer inputs, you're able then to grow crops in a manner that there is a soil coverage at all times, which means you're going to have uh, lesser inputs for synthetics as well as irrigation. And finally, finally, get us back on track where we can have a seamless agricultural operation in this country, which we very much have gotten away from. And I'm never afraid that we're going to run out of food. I just believe it's going to switch over to synthetic production. So it just all becomes Blade Runner. Uh, we, we now know how to kind of just make sludge. The Soylent Green type movie. I mean, Soylent Green, there's there's really neat ones now that are based out of a hyphae, so a, a mycorrhizal root structure that actually reproduces itself on the on conversion of um, filtering uh, gray water in, in, in other nearby manufacturing facilities to then in like a, a beer fermentation vessel. It, it's the same equipment. Then you just make like uh, 30 barrels of this tofu-looking thing that actually has like nutrient density and protein and we've, at this point, even isolated certain flavor molecules. So you'd be able to have salmon now with 50% more salmon flavor. Wait, but you said it's from Michael R- Fungal R- that's, uh, Michael Rise of Fungi. That's one of the new so, ones. That there, there's, there's multiple different strategies that are happening right now that are feeding people in landless production. 
I mean, for what you were referring to for the Impossible Burger or Beyond Burger, uh, that's sourced practically the entirety through soybean, through traditional conventional farming methods, which is still not good for anything it's or not, anyone. It's not good to the land. And like, I'm like, I'm fine with, with veganism or a plant-based diet, but then just like, I don't know why you're eating like a chicken fried steak sandwich. That's oh, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why you're trying gets, to implement yeah, that. Yeah, return over it. Just eat vegetables, dog. Like, mm-hmm. start a garden. And yeah. we were just separating ourselves further and fu- further again from, from our food cycles, like our left cycles and our, our death. And if we want to move forward as um, a strong community and species, I believe that's where it starts. And if you give me any improvised community, the the baseline for, for pound for pound, the most you can do with money is support the farmers. If you have financially viable and uh, strong through through health and intelligent farmers, that's going to spread through the entirety of the community, starting with, with the food in itself. But... Do you think we go to that through like small, you know, towns and start there? Because how are you how are you going to implement that on such a, you know, like a metropolitan area? So this is where it gets not spooky. Just I know it gets well, it gets nitpicky because like what everyone wants is the township model, and and they say like if you're not ready to kill your own animals, you don't get to eat meat. I'm like I don't agree with that. Like. You just have, that's what the farmer's for. Just have respect for your farmer. And No, that's a good point because that, that is exactly what we want to disconnect ourselves from the process of our food. Right? I've, but that's only because culturally that's how we've been doing it since the industrial agricultural yeah. revolution began. And so, yeah, I, I mean, it's specialized. to kill something is pretty brutal. It is, but, but, but in any yield from the land there's also going to be a death involved all you have to do is get a soil sample and look at it under a microscope and just see this little war of chaos that's happening of these little um, um, amoebas just eating each other and i'm again i'm I'm not the smart one there's there's other smart soil people can talk this but yeah it still just looks like like pretty much like the 300 movie but it's with weird little things and they got little legs and hairs and they're destroying each other so it's happening on every scale. We just care about the ones that have eyeballs and can look back into us. Mm. The problem isn't the concept of death. The problem is is the treatment. So we do want to see that it switches to systems where it's, like it's not even one bad day. It's one bad moment. The animal has been able to live its life on this land, die on that land, be processed there, and distributed. But since when at peak, I believe in America, it was, one, it was between 1 in 8 to 1 in 12 individuals would be farmers. And now we're between 1 in 40 to 1 in 60. So we've specialized these positions, which then allow us to create, I mean, like uh, actors and astronauts, and we, yeah. can, we can all live these different lives, and I like that. What people need to recognize is how difficult it is for you to fully sustain your caloric intake. So because I'm like, oh, I'm just going to grow all my own food. It's like, you're not. Like, like start your garden, please, by all means. Like, like connect yourself, but then <laughs> figure out how much food you were how much of of your daily intake you were able to satisfy through your four tomatoes and your little peppers and and even your chicken eggs and you're doing what you can and that's great but when you really look at the data it's like damn we need farmers we Mm -hmm. need these large conventional systems that are able to feed all of us they just have to be tweaked it doesn't have to be blown up so for the last 
40 years, there have been some pioneers uh, that are trying to get us back to the way our, our great granddaddies and grandmamas farmed. So hopefully I'll be able to assist in this transition. Um, what does that look like? Exa- uh, exactly the way, like, again, going back to the small town concept, or you're going into these small areas or I guess large farmlands. And then what are you doing? You're sectioning them off to move the cows. That's one aspect. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean there's, there's a multiple different strategies. I mean, we can have aquatic farming because. Oh, if it, it's a riparian area on the land. Oh, I'm saying even even for just oceanic, because like in the next like 20 years, clams won't even be able to reproduce because the water will be too warm. So then we are in the process of switching over to like kelp and seaweed farming. Yes, yeah, so within land base, we're able to then move move cattle, sheep, goat, whatever it might be for. That meat harvest, um, fruit and veg, it does get uh, tricky because 80% of all fruit and veg is still hand harvested with a reliance on migratory workforce, uh, which we've lost more than 60% since Trump came through because that job sucks. Your average age of retirement for your body is 34. That's as long as they last. You, you run and they start at 18, right? Or 14. 14. I was going to say, it's, I think it's younger. It's Yeah, it's, it's by state, but for, for migratory labor, you typically are able to choose for yourself at the age of 14 if you want to farm. And based on state, if you're operating like a camp that would be, I don't know, for Montana, I believe it's if there's more than 300 workers on site, then you then have to provide education for the children and families. And that's one of the largest prerogatives to then make the way up for the harvest or planting season. So their kids can receive American education and then hopefully find a better path. Right. And that's, that's who our farmers are. And we don't recognize them at all either. And so no, uh, that doesn't look pretty either. Uh, there, there's there's a balance in the middle. Uh, what are we currently trying to do about it? That would be right now. There, I think it's like the fourth revision of the 2023 Farm Bill, of which after last month's revision, this is the first time ever that the Farm Bill is going to exceed one trillion dollars. And what does that that look like? Like what I mean, what does that mean? Where that they're just going to get. A trillion dollars in subsidies. They're going to get a trillion dollars in aid. Then you know, uh, um, right now between like eight and twelve percent, eight to twelve percent is going to be for like subsidy of, of commodity farming. So that's mainly yeah, corn, soybean, um, wheat, some wheat. Um, to put into perspective, only one percent of American agriculture is to grow food for human. So all the other food is for f- animals. Uh, yeah, about forty five percent of it's it's animal animal feed, and then um, ethanol fuel. I mean, fiber, uh, cotton, tobacco. I mean, it, it all breaks down. But there's very small production of of just using land to then grow food, because we we haven't been able to again implement the technologies for um, yeah for the harvest. And then people talk about vertical farming. I'm like, sure, if you like leaves. Like, like so many of these indoor hydroponic situations, it's just lettuces. Yeah. But I mean, our, our basis, so I mean, our, our corn and our squash. Um, they got to go on the ground. Our nightshades. Yeah. I mean, what is, what, what robots able to, to honk a, a watermelon? Like this, this, this is a weight complex. And then that's also now been grown in reality, which now has to make its way to a transferring facility to be broken up to just distribution because it's going to take two to four weeks to get this veg or fruit to you, it has to be treated with with um, pesticides in manners that slows down its degradation, and the best manner of which to increase uh, shipability and have a higher margin 
is to lower the nutrient density of the food itself. Because if there's less nu- if there's less nutrients, it's less of prey for for bacteria and pests. So at this point, it takes about yeah five five to eight oranges to have the same uh, minerality and vitamins I did from our grandparents' age, and this is our leading reason for obesity. Uh, and the other big chump of the farm bill, I think it's like 42, 46% of it is snap and wick our food stamp programs, which we, we have to, we have to be able to feed everyone. Um, even if they can't afford it, like that's America, but two of the largest clients for redeeming the food stamps is Coca-Cola and Frito-Lay. Like <laughs> if you, if you follow the money, it's awesome. Like I, I love that. Um, <laughs> When we, Isn't when, that always the case, though? It is. But if you like, follow the money, you'll figure out the truth. And and it, but then it's difficult. People say like, "Oh, it's difficult and time consuming to figure out like what companies not to support." I'm like, "Okay, do it. Like, like oh, tell me what you do with your day and your time, and and you're not able to put like some towards this to try and figure out how to shop local for for your the, the artisans and producer, producers, so you know that the economy is staying within that localized center." So, I mean, when you look at, like, who's owned by, by Post or the fact that the other, when cigarettes went down, R.G. Reynolds started buying up a bunch of sugar companies like Nabisco, and it's it's hilarious. R.G. Reynolds is the tobacco giant? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, large corporations that are even outside of food are owning food not, not to feed, I mean, just to operate as commodities. Yeah. And it's it's got to go. Now, one last example before moving on. Monsanto, I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to get stabbed. But, uh, yeah, so Monsanto is the world's largest agricultural company um, in Trump's administration. They were finally being taken to a class action suit uh, for knowingly administering glyphosate while fully understanding it was causing cancer. And the case was dismissed. And in the interim period, they were then acquired by Bayer, the world's largest pharmaceutical company. So if this plot line then plays out, the company that is causing cancer will be owned by the one that's like, quote unquote, curing it or at least sustaining it. And then you just kind of look back and what's going on? Well, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I, I feel like when you have institutions that are designed to profit like war right that's a, there's an example when you're there ma- when they when you go to war and you make money well you make war all the time when you uh i don't know are we gonna get are we gonna get shut down for saying stuff like this uh, you know I, like like pharmaceutical companies are doing what they're doing <laughs> oh man it's uh but that's what i mean if, if you're set up to where you can benefit off the suffering, let's just say it like that. Yeah. Then it's gonna it's gonna keep going. So, but the question is, you know, to to change gears, like what what would you have liked to have heard, perhaps growing up about how you can start? Because how old are you now? Do you mind asking? Thirty five years old. There you go. So at this age, at thirty five, you want the bio remediation through farming simultaneously. So what is something that you could have heard early on in your life that maybe would have got you 
down that path. And you don't even need to go all the way to where you're at. Even as somebody as simple as just like understanding you have an office job, like what's something that, that they could hear back whenever you, maybe 18, you know, do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Is that a hard question? Well, yeah. So I mean, traditionally I, I, I was on the path for, for advertising and marketing. Um, and while we're working in and around DC quite quickly, I, I realized that was, it was not going to work. I mean, this year living in Austin, Texas, this is my first time we live in like an urban density zone. So it's, it's, it's been having to adapt to it, but yeah, when I first tried, I'm like, oh, there's no way in hell. And was it too overwhelming? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, as many of us, uh, experience like, yeah, anxiety from having too many signals that come in, um, as well as, I mean, one of our most brilliant scientists, E.O. Wilson, who really wrote the book on ants. He was the ant man. He coins the term biophilia, saying that even just a century ago, when we, we, when we were more living in reality and, and surrounded by nature, we were near, like, yeah, these, these biophilic systems where there's so many different organisms that surround us. I mean, the bacteria and the moths and the worms and... We just kind of exist in the center of it. But when you remove it all, it might be one of our largest reasons for depression and suicide. I would agree. Yeah. So that's what just blasted me. Uh, was I've very heard that like microorganisms underneath your fingernails from digging in the dirt. I know. know. If they get in your body. They literally, I don't know what to say, chemical releases, but they, they help balance yeah. things out. And well, I've, I've said this before, but like people who do gardening, like I don't. I'm, you know how like you meet people and they're just like, yeah. right? Like it, maybe at some point you get to meet them and really know them and they get like that. But I've gotten to know gardeners and I've never met like a side of them that was like chaotic or spastic or was going to blow up on you or yell at you or throw something crazy. You know what I mean? There's those people out there and I think that's when, when I when I know where they live and what their lifestyle is like, it's exactly the disconnect from the soil. I mean, not new, and I say that both figuratively and, and you know. So. <laughs> well, and that's what gets back to a really important point is when people would, would come to me for, for like gardening knowledge, uh, and they're like, oh, I'm trying to garden because I'm trying to save money and grow my own food. I'm like, oh, well, stop there. <laughs> like I had both of those. That was real dumb what she just said. <laughs> the, it's not It's not about the food. Like we still just have the massive dependence on the farmers. Mm-hmm. You, you garden for the relationship, for, for the peace, for, for having the connection with nature. Um, yeah, or, or we can we can take medication and self-medicate yourself. Or, I don't think that's the answer though. Ah, I mean, it's an answer to just as like, but then maybe we should try this other thing yeah. of, of gardening. <clears throat> And then, like you're you're gonna suck at it for a while, because I mean, this is this is how we used to exist forever, and, and it's been lost for closing on like a hundred years. So I mean, there's a huge gap that we have to pick back up on. But man, when, when you're able to establish that skill set and, and then bring it to your community, share it with your children, that's that's what you receive from the process, and. The more you you do eat what you've grown and, and produced, then what comes from the supermarket, you realize this isn't food. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've eaten apples off trees in <clears throat> New York and various other states and I different. Like, there's something about them that I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I've eaten peaches off my grandparents' trees versus what comes from the store and many of other things, you know, the cucumbers I've grown. And yeah, they're, they do taste different. There's something that's, 
you know, I don't know. Yeah, one of my favorite traits of being able to, Adam, being able to, like, to garden well is the passing on from seed. So, I mean, there's a genetic code in the plant and it has the, the ability to learn and adapt and then pass that on to like its, its genetic reproduction. So every season that you, that you continue to, to save your seed and start it up again, it, it has become stronger, smarter, and more resilient. And like there's, there's so much to be taken from that. When well, it's we, like humans. Exactly. And we honor that in humans. Uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Why aren't we doing uh, it with plants? Yeah. like I mean, Continue. Sorry. It, it's just, uh, yeah, I just don't think we, we honor it in, in many foundations anymore. And I, I guess of what, what you were saying, like what, got, what, what could I be told as a kid that got me on this path? Uh, I did like I lucked out. I had fantastic parents that that raised me in the woods and taught me like well, I mean camping, hiking, wilderness survival. Uh, I got to do my my sports. I mean, it was just like like really plus time. But what I would like to see, and I and I what I did not have a, available to in school was home ec. Like, there's just. There's zero implementation of it. So, I mean, I, I sit on one of the councils here for AISD, the Austin Independent School District. So I'm with an ESAC, the Environmental Stewardship Advisory Committee. And they need, like, you know, volunteers and parents and everything to, to try and figure out how to solve this problem. How do we get a better relationship to the children in these programs? I mean, outside of math and science and, and the, basic of ed- the basis of education, how do you just grow up as a human and, and develop a household and that, that whole mech, I mean, the, the cooking and breaking things down and um, critical thinking processes, that's just been gone. And I, I want that back more than anything else. Because one of the most difficult problems to solve is how do you feed impoverished communities? Because what even for not having money, what they do not have is time. So it, it always has to be prepackaged. And it's created such a, a level of disconnect where... Even when we when we did have free lunches, there was the least consumption of free on site school lunches in the poorest school um, the, the the poorest districts, as opposed to the most affluent eating the the lunches at the highest percentage. Because you have people who are just like afraid of vegetables; they don't recognize that they only trust it when it comes out of a box, and and it sucks like. I think one of the only techniques to be able to fix this is actually train the child of how to break down all the ingredients, go home, and cook dinner for the family. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good start. Uh, they took, I don't know, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure they took home ec out when I was in 10th grade at uh, McNeil High School. I graduated in 2004. And that's Texas? Uh, it was Texas, Austin, uh, Round Rock Independent School District. Um and they also took out another class that I was a, <clears throat> a part of. It was called uh, Street Law. What, Mister? Yeah, Mister. Zacharias was uh, our. He basically went through and just taught us how to interact with police officers wow. and how to know your rights. And I do remember vividly them taking away the Street Law class, but I don't know for certain if they took away the home ec class. But I remember people saying they did and that they wanted to take it. And I was like, why would they take that away? I thought that was such a. A thing that, but I could totally be making that up. Um, I, I don't, I don't know I, of never, one school that still has home ec. Yeah, public. I don't, I don't, I don't, I haven't heard that either. Um, but I'm sure there's still hopefully some 
aspect of the breaking down of cooking food and all of that. But I will say that I have met a lot of kids at our summer camps and in our school who have looked at things like, what is that? And I'm like, well, this, what do you mean? What is this? Like, and like cantaloupe, for instance, they've only seen it like sliced as the orange things. So when they saw it the first time, like right. as a round thing, they were like, what is that? And I was like, how do you not, what? Like, and they were like, oh, they're like, I've seen the orange cubes. And, but I was like, that means that you've only seen it in like plastic packaging, right? Oh, and that cantaloupe sucks. And <laughs> I, I have had like fresh cantaloupes oh that they are the juiciest, like yeah. most water savory thing. Uh, People always say like, like, oh, until you've had a homegrown tomato. I'm like, no, you basic. Like, oh, homegrown cantaloupe just blasts everything out of the water because it is your soft flesh fruit that's going to receive the most spray. It has to have like the highest shelf life. And a cantaloupe will kind of go quick, like yeah. in two to four days. And you have to be there at the right time. But oh my God, there's a little sea salt on it with cottage cheese. Like, oh man, I've never had that. Yeah. You know what I love doing with cantaloupe is I like getting wood sorrel and just yeah. chopping that up sprinkling that on and um yeah i i, I but i I'm agree, agree with you that the way we should start is by getting kids at a very early age to start breaking down the basic fundamentals of what goes into their meals and cooking and not only that but it kind of like leads you into other things and it's a sad state of affairs that we've seen you know, the Boy Scouts kind of go the way it did and the Girl Scouts go the way it did because that's what I thought that those uh, institutions originally were an off- offering for was, hey, we know, you know, there's going to be a million things in the world that you can do, but these little patches give you a taste of yeah. each and every one of those. And so now you may have experienced making a basket or doing archery or, you know, gardening or whatever, but there's some kind of inkling of a passion that starts to get built. Right. And that's what I thought that it was all for was to find your passion in life. And uh, so I think, yeah, well, people shoot. have to have a passion for food, man. Some people just don't. We don't. don't care. That's why, like, I mean, that's the number one reason that makes Americans dumpy. <laughs> I mean, it's just the truth. It, statistically speaking, it is. Yeah. I mean, I think like, like, <laughs> I have a hard time like ever being upset with the, 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 indi- the individual because it is a system that people are brought into and they just they they believe right. everyone has their their best interests at heart. At least I did. I mean, I grew up like super naive. And but it's not fair to. I mean, no, I, I take that back. They have a cell phone in their hand. You can do your own research and figure these things out. Well, and the only way we're going to be able to make change is through our consumption habits, and like. And just if uh, I don't so know. it's just Nestle or like like we should be able to fold Nestle overnight. You mean get rid of them? Yeah, you just stop buying any of it. Like you look at what water companies they own. Like oh, that this guy says that that water isn't a human right. I remember them saying that, and I couldn't believe that. Like that's that's not that's not a good human I want to support with my dollar bills. Yeah, agreed. So you just don't, and like you can ruin companies overnight, and better yet, you can then just transfer that money to your localized producer. Yeah, I think that it's definitely the way to vote is with your dollars. Do yeah. not support this is America companies. Yeah, that do that kind of stuff. Like you can still go vote, I guess. It's just, <laughs> but but what's way more important is the voting you're doing every day by yeah. who you're you're allocating your money to. Say say saying uh, vote with your feet. 
Is that the thing? I don't know. I, I, heard well, that. I guess for here, it's vote with your mouth. Why do you say we that? We love to eat here. Oh, vote with, oh that's good. I, I like that. I see where you're going with that. And but it's saying vote with your feet, meaning like the choices that you decide, you know, where you're moving and about and yeah. where you're going. And what, yeah, I, I agree. And I want people to be aware. But again, like how, man, it's like, it's just like we're trying to like climb this mountain, and he's like, "Where do you start?" There's with there- yourself, yeah, that's it. Like you, you start with yourself, and then, man, if you're really good at it, then you can get to your community. You don't have to worry about your city. You don't have to worry about your state. Anything, just yourself and your community. And like, I don't know. Hit me up in ten years. Like once you have that accomplished, well, that- it might be easier to do with social media now. I mean, people are going viral it- for all different reasons. Uh yeah, but like. <laughs> That grasslands project TikTok dude. Oh just yeah, like a mass Native, like what Native like homie, ten million Alabama. followers. And like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm really trying hard to go to go see him. I mean, yeah. he, he's doing the Lord's work, and I want him on the podcast for sure. He's he's top dog. I yeah. mean, for, for just lighting everything on fire and proving that it's it's okay. Yeah, uh, I've got a buddy at out in Giddings who's been saying that forever. Light you know? everything on fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just. The, it, it used to happen a lot, so we're just saying, we're suppressing it. That's it. And yeah. Um, I mean, that's why we, let's see. Like, massively. You know, when you go to the local parks and you see those juniper branches, like, that's just a massive fire waiting to happen, all that underbrush and all that stuff. And oh. it needs to go. Either either you're going to go in there manually as a city force and eradicate all that underbrush so that when in, if and when it does happen, it doesn't destroy much, or it's just going to take everything out when it does come to. Right, so I mean, the idea so, of having the controlled burns of which what what is going to happen this summer after I would say like 40% of trees west of the Balconies had terrible damage in this last winter storm. There's so much available carbon on the ground right now. Oh, stop it, Peppy. Don't I, you say that. I think, I what think did we're, we're going to have one of our worst wildfire seasons in Texas. Don't put that summer. out there, man. I mean... I'd, I know out, you're right. It, it got put out there when all these trees fell over and just there. And, they, and that's what they're trying to do. So, I mean, the, the cedar tree or the ash juniper is an early succession plant that's trying to grow out of them. And in, in each of their berries, there'll be one to two seeds. And, and it's dispersed by, by birds to kind of grow out where nothing else can. And it builds itself up and to sequester all that carbon. Dies, dries out with the hopes of lighting on fire, depositing that carbon back in to return it to the native prairie grasslands that were here. It's like it's it's trying. It's not our enemy. We just need to figure out how to work with it. Yeah. And if you can't graze it, light it on fire. <laughs> it burns really well. It and burns I, really I like well. the the smell of it the smoke. Awesome. It makes you smell good. Yeah. My I, girlfriend loves it when I come home smelling like that. Yeah. Or just like yeah, we're just bucking it out with a chainsaw all day. Well, I mean that's where the issue because people when they smoke when they smell it they associate it with with um, the allergy. But allergy is caused from its pollen being a dioecious species. So you have male and female wind pollinator and then he produces a copious amount of that which just blasts you in the face and that sucks so again if you don't want that light it on fire or or get some animals to to chomp it back down please be careful when you light it on fire yeah yeah you gotta do that um real careful Make sure you've got parental supervision, everyone. <laughs> well, no, and there, there's even there's countywide help and resources. Yeah, there's that, resources you can they, call, and they'll, they'll send out people to guide you through it. You, yeah, and you just watch a few videos. You you need to um, initially burn your borders around your 
however much of a track you're working at once. But yeah, then you you oh, you're walking with fire at your feet. Like you are God. <laughs> and I think I think it's awesome. But we're just we're just terrified of it. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, what's worse than controlled fire is uncontrolled fire, and that's what we're trying to prevent. But it's just going to be on the way. And unless we can revert to these systems, um, one of the main problems we will see, I believe, in the next decade is both the Colorado rivers are going to run dry. And this is the specific reason. The, these, these woody herbaceous species do not allow for water infra- infiltration from our rainfall. The only thing that can cause that are the native grasses. So that's what's provided in the ecosystem restoration. It's just it's not profitable, as the the feller said earlier. Like it's not a it's not a, a human right. So you're able just to p- pump it out and, and keep pulling it for agriculture, and it's over. Like our, our aquifers are empty. And it's just in the v- very near future we're going to see the true repercussions of these actions. The Colorado River here in Austin, you think will be gone? Yeah, one hundred percent. Ten years? Yeah, or twenty years. No, I would say within ten. I mean, it's, no, it's, don't tell me. It's that, still, man. it's still just going to be drought cycles, and then they'll be able to recharge. But when you get eight inches of rain, how much of it was actually able to seep through your your soil? I see what you're saying. Yeah. So then you have to know your soil infiltration rate of where, yeah, if it's if it's just blown out hard pan, I it's going to be probably like a quarter inch infiltration an hour. So if we get like eight inches and in, in four hours or whatever, we'll be able to drink in less than one. Everything runs off. It takes the rest of the topsoil with it, scars out the land. This is the leading reason for desertification. And then, yes, it blasts into the river. Like, hooray. And then it leaves. It goes to the ocean. Yeah. Well, because, yeah. well, I mean, the number one reason we release our dams is to feed our rice farmers oh, in the southeast yeah. Texas, of which rice doesn't even be planted underwater. We do it for weed control. I mean, there's just a multitude of these large systems that, again, don't have to be blown up. They just have to be tweaked. But in order for that to take place, we have to have a consumer base that cares. How can you make people care that, like, well, yeah, it blows my mind. How do you you even in the first place have to make people care where their food comes from? Right. That's, like, one of the most important things you can do. But that that's the whole th- time we've been talking. That's all I can think about is what the hell needs to be said to people to go, hey, man. You should probably consider this because if you're saying things like that, like and then because of this, you know, poor choice of how we're farming and that our rivers are running dry, like that's that I, th- I think that should impact the party goers, right? The tubers, they should be getting on board with you all of a sudden right now to support your cause because they tube, right? So that's what I'm saying is like you got to meet them wherever they're at because people don't care until it affects their life immediately, right? And, and uh, the the line I always heard was, you can take a frog and you can put it into a, a, a pot of a water. And if, if it's a boiling pot of water, the, the, the frog will jump out. But if you slowly turn up the temperature, you end up cooking the frog alive. And that's so dumb. No, it's not, the, it's not the case. It gets up to a really hot temperature and the frog's like, oh, this sucks. I'm leaving. Yeah. We're the only ones. That allow for that temperatures to get slowly turned on and all of a sudden we're like, oh, this is this is fine. What am I going to do about this? And uh, yeah, I see, I see where you're saying. And it's yeah, I don't think a frog would be. I've never no. done that to an animal, but I don't. Yeah, I mean, I didn't I've get always some data, but like I've always scratched my head about that saying, and I'm like, maybe that's true. We I mean, are the ones that have lost all of our cognizance of what is happening around us because it's just it's very obvious. I mean, to me, because I care. Yeah. I, I, 
I, I care about wanting to swim in clean water. I do. Yeah. I, I think that's, yeah, if I had one kink in this world, it'd be swimming naked in a body of water with my mouth open, drinking it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I think our great-grandparents used to could do that. Yeah. You know? And then, and then again, yeah, it, it's been, been kind of like this slow process where, one, we feel helpless, so we don't even know where to start. But the the first step is actually just caring and education. We haven't been able to even get there. Like there is no plan that to be written or, or any steps taken until at, at least I mean a third or a majority of the people are saying that this is very upsetting. I'm looking at the uh, the water quality levels. I'm I'm, I'm looking at our, at our falling aquifers, um, the nutrient density in our food, the care for our animal welfare as well as our own fellow human beings i don't, I don't know if it, yeah i don't want to say it's the phones or the social media just something has to change now um i've taken every opportunity i can to push forward and no matter what i, mean, I am still hopeful for the future i think we just have 20 to 30 years of suffering to go through but as we are starting to recognize this pain Alterations are being made, but golly, I would just like to see it happen in a much more drastic fashion. Yeah. Well, I again, I feel like um, it won't, people won't do anything about it until it directly affects them. So I hear what you're saying about the sentiment about the frog and we're the, we're the ones who are tolerating it. And I'm just like, man, what is the hang up? Because it's going to affect us and I don't want to, pawn it off and say something like, oh, well, people will figure it out, you know? Because I, I feel, I don't know, I feel uh, like I'm giving up, like I'm allowing it to happen. But I think um, I think we just need to do better, figure out where our food is coming from, like you say, and then find that connecting meaningfulness, find out where, like, where that farm is at. Take a visit to that farm. You know, and then what do we do then? We ask, how can we help? Do we connect them with, you know, Regenified and say, hey, look into this. This is an option. When I listen to farmers um, on other podcasts and things like that, it sounds like one of the most grueling and abusive relationships uh, I've, I've ever heard because it's like a relationship with these companies that buy your products and the way they treat you is awful, meaning like the cattle or the chickens, you know, like the chickens have like ranking industries for these, you know, like Tyson Farms and all that stuff. And they send you bad qualities of chicken if you didn't do X amount of things and productivity last year. And it sounds like something that's very deterring, you know, to you hear the horror stories and then you just don't want to get involved. Oh, I mean, there was a woman I saw speak last year and she was able to able to help establish the first women's packaged poultry union. And she talked about what their experience was was like and it was bad or was it a good experience? This is even a question. No, no. I, I can't think of if it's not a small family farm, it's it's not it's not going to be a good time. But but yeah. typically that's always just thought to be for the bird. We, we never think about the trauma that's experienced by like meat meat processing facilities have some of the most difficult operations to satisfy and when you see the rot the rotisserie bird for six dollars 
She's like, how? How how were you able to do that? And especially when you incorporate the labor for for breaking down the bird packaging and everything. Yeah, she was expressing they they all had to prior to COVID. I think they were doing like sixty four birds a minute, uh, breaking down, cleaning, packaging, everything. And and then after COVID, because dem- demand it shot up to like eighty four, and they're all in there working shoulder to shoulder. You're not allowed to take any sick days, so or you lose your job. Uh, everyone then got COVID and took it home and killed like their mom and grandma with it. Yeah, I heard about stories like that about uh, processing facilities in general and how they were still forced to work. And then people would say, "Well, then just don't eat chicken," which is like, I get it. Mm-hmm. But man, when you when you are trying to eat on a budget and you're trying to get, get those, the the nutrients that are available in that versus a conventionally grown um, array of, of vegetables, like there there aren't. There aren't the best choices for those who aren't affluent with 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 time or money, and the way to be able to satisfy that though is as a community. Yeah. Well, there's good things going on all over the place, and um, I'm glad you're here sharing some of these things with us about how Regenified works and what it is that you're doing. Um, but I know you've done a million things in life. You know, you you say you're. You're you're 35, but um, it, it my perspective of you is that you're like this wise sage who's done all these things, <laughs> um, because I know you have you you've done quite a bit. And uh, one of the things I wanted to ask about was the goat farming. Oh hell yeah, that's where a lot of people know you from. We're talking goats. We're talking goats. Sorry. I mean, I, I want to talk goats. You got to talk goats yeah. because I'm not all a, I do is talk goats. I don't. I'm not a goat. They don't even let me in the sauna anymore because all I do is talk goats. Um, uh, where? Who doesn't let you in the sauna? No, they let me in the sauna. <laughs> Ocean Lab is that them? <laughs> no, 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 no. Out? no. Our boys over at Squatch. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, no, the best. Jason, what's up? <laughs> what are you doing? No, they're they're good. They're my favorite people. Um, yeah, I love I love goats. I had initially just a focus on wanting to do veg. I had been advised that if you bring in livestock, your situation becomes a, a lot more difficult. You, you can walk away from your, your plants, specifically if you're on um, drip irrigation systems and it's heavily mulched. Like, And then you just have neighbors come by when you're away to, to pick the veg for themselves. Goats that make things more difficult or the integration of livestock. The, the problem is, though, is just that's how farms always used to operate is there's always livestock integrated you can make the decision of whether or not you want to call from them or even produce from them but they are continuously processing biomass converting it into a fertilizer of which you can create soil with and goats are special because yeah it's just goat rabbit and alpaca can you direct apply to your plants uh they just have such a solid digestive tract comes out as pellets and then you just have this continuous system of, of clearing out and restoring land while returning that product back into your gardens started with two goats um and then when i when i left the herd i think we were up to like 68 or something where two to 68 from um how many years were were you there three um see i I was at my first farm i think for seven years uh near the buzz mill which is what made all of our, our connections and it just became too overwhelmed. My my partner moved to get her masters. So then I was a single goat dad and was yeah given the opportunity to help build the 
agricultural program for Jester King Brewery. And I had to live on site, which meant the goats would have to come with me. And over the four years I was there, that's where, yeah, it went from, from six to I think like 68. And even over this time, probably sold off like, yeah, 40 or 50 to other people who wanted to have love with horns in their life. Um, it is really, really special, fun animals. I mean, I think that people have a, a poor rap for goats because we associate them with Satan. I don't think they, they trust their eyeballs. But yeah, you just have to learn. They have rectangular pupils. So yeah, what's up with that? They can see 320 degrees at all times. They're even actually on a, on a pivoting axis. So when their their head tilts down to, to graze, then the eyeball automatically is just always able to hold at uh, like a... It's um, basically parallel yeah, to at, the ground. Yeah, at a parallel level to always be looking for their predator. Uh, they get like 40% of their REM sleep while they're in ruminations, while they're chewing their food. So they're kind of always like some of them are sleeping and taking shifts. Uh, they're just they're just an efficient animal, and yeah, one of the only species that will eat the ash juniper, the cedar. So always working with with them on a restoration project to see what it would look like for bringing um, some of the land of Jester King back to life, uh, mainly from converting uh, that juniper into a fertilizer and reseeding the land. Uh, that's where I came across the numbers that it takes 200 goats to intensively graze an acre on a daily basis. Each animal would then produce an average of up to five pounds of droppings or fertilizer. So a herd of that scale can produce 1000 pounds of organic material every day. And if you can increase the organic material or the OM of an acre by 1%, that acre then has the potential to hold 20,000 more gallons of water. Damn. So if we want to see... That's that's amazing. If we want to see the Colorado River not run dry, it is an absolute reliance on these grazing animals. And then people are like, hell yeah, Cabrito. I'm like, I didn't say you have to eat them. Because every time you do, you're actually eating a co-worker. But yes, you have to be financially viable. Would you say Cabrito? Cabrito, like the cook goat. Um, oh, okay. I was like, huh? I don't think I've ever... Because, well, uh, like, that's that's actually something that, that pisses me off a bunch is when people are just disrespectful to the animal that's actually given its life to sustain you. Sure. Like... That's a... So, yeah, and, it, and it's always... I'll put it out. It's just dudes. I never had... A, I've never seen women who are like, hell yeah, I'm going to eat that cow. Suck it. And then do the... Oh. Yeah, you know, that's probably because we don't actually have the capabilities of giving life like you know we're yeah not, and then not and truly nurture type and then it steps into an ego for a guy trying to prove himself in public who has the complete inability oh, to yeah to feed himself off the land and then this is him trying to satisfy his own failing emotions of yeah his masculinity you know sorry it. i guess i got a little into that one but <laughs> no I, yeah, it, it would happen good. because i'm like like there is such a reliance that we have to have on animals and all the other creatures that are around us we're not on the top of the food chain we're just in it. Mm-hmm. And, and for this last century of, 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 of losing respect for our natural systems have gotten us to where we are now. So I'm looking forward to where there are going to be like vegan ranchers that hopefully are financially satisfied for their ecosystem restoration um, capabilities. And, and then we, yeah, we, we begin the profession all over again of the shepherd and the cowboy. Because if we want to move forward, I believe it's done in unison with these animals. 
And so when you started first getting, so you were tasked with being uh, the oversight of the vegetation or, or uh, at Jester King Brewery over there. And was it something that was like immediate? Like you're like, oh, we have to have goats. Or did somebody kind of tell you like, hey, here's a thought. And you're like, wait, what? Or did they just plop two goats in there and you're like, damn. No, no, no. So, so I had the goats off of East Riverside. Okay. So I, I, the... I, moved, I moved there with them and 100% it was just for the intention of just to make money. Okay. I'm like, these goats are really cute. I raised them all from, from birth. People want to come see them and do beers, ah. pay money, whatever. So this is an attraction thing. Yeah. yeah okay. I mean, this would be the number one manner to be financially viable, which would then pay for the rest of our operations. I just had no concept of how pivotal they would for, be for actually healing land. Wow. So then those that's were... A, that's a beautiful story. So then those were the three, four years afterwards of studying under like several Texas mentors to see, I'm like, yeah, this is what it means to ranch. It's not, it's not just the conversion of, of grass into beef into dollars, which unfortunately some people operate and their ranches look like garbage. I mean, I, I can drive by ranches and land and you can easily see which one has been overgrazed um, by which animal, if it's horses, if it's cattle, if it's goats, because they're, they're just, they're not moved around properly. It's just barbed wire fence instead of practice um, uh, a holistic grazing or a managed grazing. It's just known as open or all. However many head on, however many acreage, you're there to make money, get your ag exemption while you just watch your land fall apart. So this was figuring out the balance of why and how it's meant to work. Hmm. So you got these goats, you started attracting people, and did how did the breeding begin? They just started, was it? You know, you just kept it going. Did you introduce more goats? Did you bring on a few? Were they, you know, how did that all, how did it go from two to 60? Well, I mean, um, it, it, it was controlled breeding. So I think we were on um, our fourth iteration of of studs. Were you getting more goats because there was more people coming to Jester King to see the goats? Or were you realizing, oh, we need them to graze and help sustain part of the land? Uh, correct. So it, it was recognizing that at 100... 170 acres, um, I, th- I thought the, the magic number from talking to folk would be always just less than 120. So figuring out what breeding frequency would then get you to the point where your elders start stepping out of this world as as others are coming into it. And yeah, the, the stud or the, the, the boys, I mean, your, your bucks, they're going to live in a, in a separate pen. And then you just introduce them. Or the girls over them uh, in the time of heat, but and they just hang out all day by themselves, away from the girls. Yeah, they they got some homies in there, and like they're just chilling. They're yeah. just good dudes. Yeah, they got real suave beards, and um, they just enjoy it because food and breeding rights and yeah, all that. There's yeah, nothing it's to a, compete it's over. It's a good life. Yeah, and and then every now and then, if if the right wind carries the scent over from the ladies. And the dudes, yeah, they just pee into their faces. That's why goats have beards. <laughs> Wait, the goat, the 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 boys pee into each other's faces? No, into their own face. Why did it, they do it, that? Would, it would just be silly to pee into each other's faces. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you just said they pee on their own face. I know, <laughs> but why? Uh, their beard. I mean, your urine. <laughs> there, there's so much code in your urine. I'm about to go. I'm going go on a big pee talk now. Let's go for it. All right. So they pee into their beard, and that's how they capture it. So that that's the evolutionary trait of having the beard, and then they use their hooves to then rough it around themselves. So that's how they they create their 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 coat, their their smell. 
Are we supposed to pee into our beards? Uh, <laughs> uh, not not necessarily, but but sweating is huge uh, for it. I know. Um, I love pheromones. What? what? I love pheromones. Yeah, but um, so so then that scent is then what will drive the females into estrus, and and then I think there's a four to a seven day window of which they would be able to then impregnate and carry child back to urine. And, and back to why it, it's really important to how to move these animals. Previously, we had a reliance on the wolf. So when they reintroduced the wolf back into Yellowstone, as many people know, within a matter of a couple of years, the rivers start running again. A couple of more after that, the beaver introduces itself, puts up dams. I mean, everything comes back. But from the most pivotal moment of introducing one of our keystone species, one of our most important groups of life of the wolf, and they, they didn't improve things through their kill count. They did it through their pee. So the reason even your dog and the family of Canis will pee on a fire hydrant is because they're going to pee on a vertical structure in the side of the shade. So the pheromone is able to last longer without evaporating off. So then as a, a grazing oh. a grazing animal that steps in that region, it's going to continue to move and just take little bites. Otherwise, it's said that they only eat their ice cream. They target the highest nutrient density species with the least amount of digestible material. And a lot of times, these are young trees along riverbanks, and they eat it until they completely destroy it, and then that that bank will erode out and you lose its water. So in order to to have these animals be, like again, in that place of migration, that is now our responsibility. And, and And it's both. We have to be both the bison and the wolf. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because we've altered it so much now. It's like the way we... Don't they forcibly procreate turkeys now? Because they're so massive that they can't breed. Well, um, <laughs> are, we, are you talking about... Um, like like turkeys we buy at the store, they're so big genetically, they can't actually mount oh, the, okay. ma- the so males you, and so all that. So you're saying for turkeys now, because I'm, I'm not... So we have to go in and... It's called AI. Artificial insemination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we have to do that with basically because we've altered their structure so much. So just like the land now, we've altered the land so much that we have to be both the, you know, bison as well as the wolf and all of that. As well as but diddling up seems, a turkey. But, but this seems just so much work, man. Who wants to work that much? Why did you do that? I do. I mean, like, I mean, shepherd, shepherding is. No, no, no. I mean. Oh, all, diddling. I do not uh, want to diddle turkeys. <laughs> Okay. No, not that either. I mean, the 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 work of why not alter, why why not not alter things to where you then have to constantly maintain them. Awesome. I don't right. want. I don't want that. I love. Let's let's talk fantasy. This is this is adorable. <laughs> we'll so go back yeah. to urine. No, 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 no. Well, I, mean, that, I also don't have a urine fantasy. <laughs> but 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 no. This this is this part sounds nice. So yeah, then. Like, oh, it's a new America, and like, let's just take down all of our fences, and everyone's free. There and is then, that sentiment. And, and then there's no property value, and we bring the bison back, and we raise wolves, and they eat like four kids a year, and like, that's awesome. <laughs> it's never going to happen. They, that's the. It's because ranchers. I, yeah. I'm, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's greed. I mean, what problem on this planet doesn't come down to human greed? And I, and I would say the antithesis of it would be compassion, to actually care for those that don't look like you. And you have to actively figure out how to take care of them. But yeah, I mean, 
cowboys are awesome and like ranching's bad ass but it is wild when someone just has like 100,000 acres and it's just it's just boxed off i mean even in europe there isn't like or the uk i'm sorry in the uk there's not trespassing you can just climb over all fences will have these vertical stair steps you literally walk you walk over onto the other farm and just keep on walking you just walk across the entirety of the United Kingdom. Like, really? There's no, so there's no private property laws. No. Well, I mean, yeah, it exists. Like you can't, you can't like camp on someone's property, but you can move through it. You're like I'm just heading that way. Oh. Whereas, like, yeah, here you can. Oh get yeah, you shot. get shot. Yeah. I mean, straight up. I mean, purple post law. Like it, it's, like, yeah, it's purple post versus castle doctrine. Right. Yeah. But but depends on the count. All it depends on is is what county are you in. What's your relationship with the sheriff? Because you can really just get Bingo. to you can just really get to blasting. I mean, yeah. you didn't know. We we just watched that Murdoch thing go down. That that was best proof in the pudding right there. Yeah, and like so so if that's where we're at mentally, no, we are at no place to be able to take down our fences, reintroduce all these native species back. Like, which is a bummer. I mean that that sounds tight, but then what do we do in the interim? We ranch. We we farm. Um, and ever since we we become an agricultural people, everything changes. Just can we do it better? So that's where I'm like, I love Wendell Berry. I mean, Wendell Berry writes like some of the best poetry. I mean, to me, he's the the American poet laureate of just being you know, like how, how things are able to move forward and and just thinking about yeah this township model and how we can feed each other and and with AI disruption disrupting so many jobs then. Then yeah, why don't you just want to be like a a baker or a a, a butcher to something where where it's just this true job that services the community? That's a great direction to be heading in. But just right now, what do we do? We we better our practices and we use our dollar bills to only support the companies that do. That's it. If if you don't have the money for it, then there should be systems that provide for it. And then like, someone's well, then why am I paying when they don't have to? I'm like, don't be an ass. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't have it. Like, like, it may. It may be a single mother. She has kids. She's working two jobs. She doesn't have the time to be able to prepare the, the food for them. Like to reestablish community, like of which I think it all comes back to the farm and the food we put in us. Then take take care of each other and, and stop just trying to have more than the person next door. Because like you're not you're not going to be able to take anything with you. Yeah. I've enjoyed this uh, this conversation, Pepe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish just like we could have like, a bubble and be outside because I'm just looking out, looking out. Uh, that's why I set field. guests over there so that they can look out. You know, that's a wild grasslands. It'll never be touched behind me. They can't develop on that. They can't. It's part of this big alliance of grasslands around Texas. I think there's like six big acreage. And like I, I love it, but if the fact that it, that's a wild that thing needs way more grasses. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I get over there and tell them how to do it, puppy. I'm serious. I mean, cause, yeah, because like, you could right down the road. There's a phone number on the side. You're gonna call them. Yeah, I'm actually trying to. I think we sent them an email about getting them on the podcast. But or, uh, yeah, we haven't heard back. But I, the only thing that happens over there is every now and a little uh, ATV shows up and he's just walking around out there. And I don't know if he's pulling soil samples or if he's doing compaction. Yeah, yeah or I mean, testing he's, or he's, what. Po- he's probably doing just a broadcast pitch of seed. But for a lot of these situations, if you get a small tractor, 
a seed drill implement to where it's actually just like making like little cuts in the soil, placing the, the, the seed in and, and then closing up the earth behind it. Much higher success rate. I mean, I know we're not going to be able to convince them to light on fire. Um, they might. You know, honestly, go, I'll try to get you their info and we can go to their website. And it's pretty fascinating. I, I perused through it before I sent the invitation to the, do the podcast. Dang. But um, yeah, would, feel free to poke your head over there. And yeah, the, the, the one last note for, I mean, specifically for, for our Texas listeners. Um, what you were saying before is I, I don't need I don't need people. Like, I need persons. Um. You spoke about the native habitat fellow down in Alabama, but being for us for for our whole Texas Wildflower Act or Texas Highway Wildflower Act, that was all because of Lady Bird Johnson. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, LBJ's wife. And granted, yes, the terrible example because it, it is the first lady, so she has more access to power. But that's just one person who is like, flowers are tight, right? But again, man, it goes back to the culture of like, what are we valuing in life? These kids today, they value dancing on TikTok. Not yeah, it's bad. Not wildflowers. And not bees for certain, you know, that, that go with those wildflowers and help propagate. And obviously we could have a whole I podcast about bees and how they apply to oh, yeah. farming, you know? It's yeah. like, do you know Eric um, over there, uh, Eric Paulus over at Ecology Action? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, he's been on the podcast, and I was gonna say I should have the two of y'all come on and we talk. What's well, fun because we're both really big fans of the same hockey team. Oh, really? Yeah. What's that? The Washington Capitals. We, really? We suck right now, but <laughs> but it's just nice to have a friend in Texas who likes the team that's all the way back DC. So we we have that and Eco Resto going for us. For like we we've only um, really started like seeing each other, but it's lovely. It's just big smiles the whole time. Like there there are. There are wonderful youth that are stepping up to to fix the the previous problems of a generation. Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't mean to blanket statement. They're all TikTokers. Oh, well, no, no, <laughs> you you are correct. I mean, it, it's a bummer that the 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 largest growing like wanted profession for children is is an influencer, and and then they step into this world and it's hard to have hope and it's our kind of our job of um, I mean our first time in our generation being elders to them, being like we yeah. can do this. It's just gonna suck. Yeah, and it seems very like shallow and vapid for the time that it's spent, unless it's like that Alabama guy, right? That's meaningful uh, creation of content, I feel. But if you're just like, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't. It's, e- dog it's yeah, it's easy to get better over money. whatever makes someone happy. Yeah, exactly. Awesome, have sure. at it. But as, as long they, as you're not hurting other people. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Or like, yeah, yeah. I actually don't like the line. If it makes you happy, I go and do it. No, I don't, I don't like, like that line that's, either. That is danger. That that could put you in jail. That's what he told danger. me. I really like this. Yeah. No. Don't please don't impact but on those. Impulses. I'll say when when people like you just to do anything positive. I like I sleep great at night. I'm I've been working towards this for for like is years. Any action you can do to, to go and help in, in neighborhood community gardens or, or with your local schools and stuff, volunteering when you can. I don't even necessarily believe in altruism. I'm going to do this because it, it, like, it helps heal things. It makes me feel better. And then I sleep. I have mm. a hope for the future. Like That's the biggest thing to be able to get across to youth. I know they care. They just don't have an ability to express it. And that's what's tight. What yo? What you do with your program, like educating um, the next generation, because they're not going anywhere. It's gonna be a bummer if they suck forever and just keep doing the TikToks. Yeah, I mean, I imagine something's gonna start 
getting into what we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation, which is the AI model. You know, they're <laughs> randomly generating entire scripts, and South Park just did a whole episode that was generated with uh, ChatGPT. Jeez. So, and it was like a '90s episode too. It was really classic because obviously the ChatGPT yeah. only had the context of the prior episodes. But yeah, it's going to be a weird, weird time in the future for these youngsters. But I, I agree with you with the sleeping well at night. I that's all I want to. I want to be able to help, you know, kids where they're at in the sense that like I did not like sitting in a classroom man that was so boring to me four walls windows that led to the outside like you know and I was I was you know raised all along beaches and you know um, fields and I lived on a farm in Beeville Texas and had cows and all the other stuff for a little while and I just loved that so much more and I knew it's better it's it's so much if better. you don't think so you're wrong and you really need to rethink everything in your life right? i uh, but again how do you again you, you tell the people who are living you know with uh, uh high rises and uh yachts with jet skis attached to the back you know you can't tell them you can but they're not going to listen uh, i mean they maybe they will i think it sits like all all we have to do is, is go out and just yeah just do just be wild in the woods and, and have that relationship with nature if they never care so that, so that would be the thing, right, to do is to have every uh, uh, government school in America have some kind of, I don't want to say forced, but some kind of program where you go out and you spend two weeks in the woods or something. Yeah, like exactly. no holds barred, no electronics, no nothing. A friend of mine um, told me about an opportunity when she was in high school that they basically sent them off and they said like, okay, here's your stuff. You get these resources and here's this stuff and you get these resources and here's, and she, she told me, she's like, that was the biggest moment in my life that I decided like I liked to cook and I liked to caretake and I liked to, she goes, it literally sparked my, I, she said, I don't know, my maternal instincts to like, be she's like but if i never had been exposed to that for that three days she's like i don't know where i'd be so i think we need kids to be again i don't want to use the word forced but i kind of want to say forced like just push them out there like because we got to be uncomfortable and being uncomfortable in in nature is a good start for most of us i love it so you want to wrap this up man sure yeah how you feeling good yeah good just ready to go see this this sunset before it gets like pretty spicy, I guess like next week. I mean, you're yeah, getting yeah. up in the high 80s, and I just don't have my tolerance up yet. Am I rain later today and cool off? It Me. won't. <laughs> <laughs> so much hope, <laughs> Pepe. Thanks so much for being on here, man. Uh, it. We'll have you back on soon. I hope we'll uh, catch up with what else you're doing at Regenified. And thanks again. Hell yeah, everyone. Take care, man. Bye bye.